What are the most common qualities of successful traders? Well, today I'm speaking with trader, author, and coach, Michael Lamott, about the eight most common qualities of successful traders. This podcast is sponsored by TradeStation and FTSE Russell. Currently, TradeStation is running a promo just for our audience. New users will get 50% off brokerage fees for the lifetime of their account using the promo code F-U-T-R-A-F-Z-T, as long as they open an account in the next 30 days. Go to tradestation.com slash Anthony to learn more. Are you watching the stock market, specifically the Russell 2000? The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol, RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. All right, Mike, let's jump into the eight qualities that you have recognized that successful traders have. And that first one is mindset. Having followed you on Twitter for some time, you put a lot out about mindset. Everyone knows that I do a lot as well, mm -hmm. but mindset yeah. is really a broad thing. I think, you know, um, obviously to be successful at anything, you have to have the right mindset. When you look at the qualities of successful traders, what is that specific mindset that you've noticed that they have? Well, part, a lot of it comes down to awareness. Um, a lot of it comes down to self-awareness and uh, the awareness uh, of your beliefs, uh, awareness of the beliefs that you have about trading and awareness of the beliefs that you have about money. Um, well, what, uh, what I've seen among uh, it, like, and using myself as a guinea pig first and then putting other content out there and then talking with other traders and uh, coaching other people too. Like it's uh, when we have conflicting beliefs, that's when um, we tend to, to stumble. And so that's why the, the important step one is gaining awareness of the different beliefs that we have, different beliefs about trading and different beliefs about money. And then uh, a third thing too is beliefs that we have about ourselves um and uh, i go uh, super deep uh, into it into the book because uh like there there could be things from going back as far as like our early childhoods uh, like early childhood trauma that can uh later on manifest itself in uh in our trading yeah and so it, it's like like i find it fascinating i find that the better uh the better trader I become, the better person I become and kind of vice versa. Oh, I totally agree with that. I've talked a lot about that. Denise Schull, she's talked a lot about that. Uh, Tom Canfield, a lot of people that I'm pretty close with. And, and that is really something I don't think that a lot of traders really take into account when they're becoming a trader, mm -hmm. right? Uh, is how things you've done in your past or how you are as a person, how that will impact your actual trading. 
it's hard to really conceptualize that because when you look at it, most people will say, well, I have this strategy. So what does it matter what I do outside of my life, right? If I'm sitting here, the chart shows me this, this is what it is. It's the tendencies. It's the, you know, it's just certain things that we're doing while we're executing. I mean, we're not machines as much as people want to say you can execute like a machine. I've never been able to do that. I execute like a human because that's just who I am. I have emotions. I have, you know, um, all these uh, strengths and weaknesses that I have to deal with and, and all these things going on in my head I have to deal with when I'm trading. So mindset is, is, is so important. Um, before we move on to the next one, I, I, I want to ask you really to, to, to hone in on mindset because I think it's such an important part of successful traders. What would you say is a way for traders to get that self-awareness, to understand how the way that they are as a person or certain things that they're doing in their life help um, them understand how it's really impacting their trading? Sure. So the first thing to, that I would recommend that they do is to sit down, grab a paper, a pen, and then start listing out uh, the beliefs that they have about trading and the beliefs that they have about money. And, uh, you know, the first time that, that I heard that, uh, that, that concept uh, came from uh, Van Tharp. Um, and, uh, you know, the first time it, it's just uh, like, I could hardly write down like uh, a dozen, right? like a belief of what's that, but we literally have beliefs about everything. In fact, just that sentence alone represents a belief that I have a belief that, well, we have beliefs about everything, right? So there's, well, we literally have like hundreds of beliefs uh, about trading. So uh, I would start by writing that, and it could be, uh, do you think that uh, like some, some of the things to get people started too, and that this is part of what I wrote about in my first book, uh, The Mara Mindship Guide, it's a trading beliefs workbook. Uh, uh, there's some prompts in there, like uh, asking questions uh, uh, to get people started. And uh, things are like, well, uh, let's see, like, well, what are your thoughts uh, on research? What are your thoughts on technical analysis? Uh, is it important? Uh, like, like things like that, like start to get some of the creative juices flowing of like, oh, well, uh, here's what I believe about X, Y, and Z. So you start to write those things out um, and you, you do the same process for your money beliefs uh, like uh and our money beliefs come from a variety of places but it's the money beliefs that we tend to get more from uh early childhood right and, like because yeah. well our parents talk about money and or guardians or or whoever uh and so um something that that i noticed uh growing up poor uh, was that I had a lot of negative money beliefs that people with uh, money were evil, um, that they got it through, uh, you know, screwing somebody else over, um, that, uh, you know, that money is the root of all evil, like all kinds of negative uh, uh, money beliefs like that. So when I was starting to trade and I started to gain some consistency and I went through the, the boom and bust cycles too. Uh, like I, I was like, well, well, why? Well, why am I keep on sabotaging myself? And it had nothing to do with the system. It had to do with some limiting beliefs that I had around, around money, uh, or at least in yeah. part. So 
as we deconstruct the beliefs that we have, we could then uh, take a look at them and see, is this leading me closer to or further from my goals? Some will be yes, some will be no, some might be on the fence, but we get to then reconcile those beliefs and we can move forward. Well, that brings me to the next quality. And I think you actually touched a lot of it um, in, in the mindset segment and that's journaling. Yeah. You know, I don't know how you can begin your journey as a trader without journaling. Mm. You know, in the first quality, we talk about mindsetting. You talked about taking that pen and paper to understand where you really are with that self-awareness, understand things about yourself and what's happening. Let's talk about journaling because this is, this is one of those things where I think that many traders do a lot of right when they're journaling, but they're not doing uh, a, a lot of necessarily good with it. You know, they're writing certain mm. things down or they're, they're maybe just only looking at their strategy or maybe they write down some feelings. I think that the intentions are typically right when they go about their journaling, but it's not really giving them um, a good impact on, on getting better. Mm. I want to focus on in this segment specifically what you believe is a good way for a trader to journal. Awesome. So there's a couple of different ways to, to do it. And so uh, you could use it where, like uh, get yourself a actual hard copy journal and you're writing down your, your thoughts and feelings and your emotions and you know, about your trade or whatever happened in that day. And I think that that's uh, amazing. Uh, I obviously do that as well. Um, another way type of journal to do too is to you could just simply have a spreadsheet. Uh, where you're logging in uh, the trades, your your entries, your stops, uh, all that. Um, but uh, I think that the there's power in both, and I actually recommend doing both types of journaling. Well, whether you're you're using a spreadsheet or using some kind of software, I've actually come full circle on, on all of these. Where at, I think it was a uh, maybe about a couple of weeks ago, I, I had, was digging through some uh, old stuff in the basement, uh, clearing it out. And I came across uh, this uh, journal from a decade ago. It was a binder about this thick uh, with charts from MarketSmith printed out and notes written all over them. Um, so you could really have a journal set up in, in any kind of way, but the, the power of uh, setting it up in a spreadsheet allows us to dissect uh, a lot of the different types of statistics. Uh, beyond our uh, win rate uh, and you know, what we're averaging on a gain or loss, well, we could then go into, well, how much, uh, uh, what kind of win streak are we on or losing streak? Um, well, what's the stats of a particular setup in a particular market type? Um, we could see what our high watermark is, let's say. So a high watermark uh, is, you know, if we're in a trade, how far does that trade progress while we're in it? Not where we exited, right? Because sometimes the trade will move up and then move back down and we end up exiting over here. The high watermark is how high do, does that trade go? We could start to pick apart all these different uh, things within the trade. And it's for that reason that I feel that spreadsheets have, uh, or, or why I have a particular affinity for spreadsheets 
and uh, why I uh, put it in uh, the the program that that we run over at Mara, um, and let people use that as a template. But uh, there's those, there's uh, other software that people could use for for journaling. Lots and lots of power, lots of awareness in journaling. Um, and it's something that I would recommend uh, doing every day, whether we have trades on or not. I think it's so important to do really two things. The math side of things, right? W what is going on uh, with the actual trading, the math, your P&L and all the strategy stuff and the mental side. And I think you nailed it. It really is important that you do both aspects of this because in certain times, people have asked me, you know, Anthony, how do you determine what is the root cause of your drawdown? How do you know, you know why the things aren't working out? And I always say, ask myself this question. Is it me? Is it the market environment? Or is it my strategy? And the only way you figure that out is by journaling and by knowing what you did in certain moments. Perfect example for me is as of late, I've had some really good winners on. I've gotten a little bit aggressive in some spots I probably shouldn't have. My strategy was right. I pressed in bad places. You know, I got myself too, too big in a certain instances. And, you know, and then it just the spillover of mistakes just became contagious. And I just was just executing poorly. It had nothing mm -hmm. to do with my strategy. You could easily go back and say, Anthony, you were trading like crap. Your strategy sucks. Or it was the market. Well, it was neither. Right, I wasn't adapting to the market environment, um, and I wasn't just executing correctly. You know, when you look at the same thing for the market environment, sometimes your strategy just doesn't work well in certain environments. So you can go back and say, "Look, at I was doing the right thing, but this environment really just isn't conducive for the strategy I'm in." But you don't get there without journaling. You you can't just guess that. Um, yeah. it, it's it's one of those things where you have to see it in black and white uh, to understand it, and you know, it brings me to the next thing because these are all really, I think, tied in and that's analysis. In my strategy, I've always felt that in whatever it is I'm trading, the number one important thing for me is um, be confident, right? So my, my analysis, my preparation is just being confident when I go to execute. But uh, my analysis, I have to be confident in it to know um, that when I sit down in front of those live markets, I'm ready for it. What are some of the qualities you've seen from successful traders um, to say that analysis is something that many of them have similar? That the part about analysis is that there's a certain belief in the analysis. Um, well, whether they're doing it, whether it's purchased, there, there's belief in the analysis. Uh, and so part of the Part of that comes from some level uh, of testing of the the analysis, right? So, um, if they uh, like, a, it it was almost not like why? Well, when I first tried O'Neill out, like it made sense, but I went through like the boom and bust cycle and like, well, part of it is like, well, well, why not? Like I've got this thing. It makes a ton of sense. It's obviously made him and many others millions like, oh, well, what's the problem with me here? And the part of the problem uh, was that I didn't, uh, I read it, but I didn't have 
any real uh, experience with it yet. It's kind of like, a, you know, if you read a book on push-ups, right? <laughs> like, there's one thing to read a book about it, but it's another thing to actually go uh, and do the work. So um, that's where I would start to lump that part of analysis into testing. Well, when I think of analysis, I think of... Um, uh, fundamental analysis, I think of technical analysis, yes. and I think of psychological analysis. Um, and I think that uh, we, if we are doing it ourselves, then uh, there's those three that uh, we would consider and strengthen to one degree or, or another. Um, and if we're purchasing analysis, then uh, we would uh, need to have a certain level of confidence uh, in the analysis that, that we're purchasing. Because if we don't, then the analysis flies out the window. And that's uh, one of the reasons why, too, the first step is what we spoke about in the beginning, the, that mindset part of it. Because they, if we start to have, to, to the point that, that you made earlier, if we have certain tendencies, right, they, yeah. and we're unaware of those tendencies, then we might put on the random trade. We might say, you know, well, uh, like the, this uh, analysis is uh, is not working. Toss it aside. Put on the this other trade, and then later on, we don't know why. And that's part of where the journaling comes in. Yeah. If we see that we've been journaling for, for all this, and then we go back and do that, uh, review the journal, then we could see the tendencies that tend to pop up. But we also need to have an awareness of the different beliefs that are tied to that because it's the beliefs that are driving all the actions. Let me ask you this question because yeah. this really ties into kind of what I said right right before we even you know get it started and asking you and uh, what you thought about analysis. Mm hmm is it what's more important you think to a trader the analysis itself or having confidence in the analysis well what's more important for them to have yeah because the reason why i ask that question is because for me as a trader my mm. analysis could be wrong on what's going to happen in the market right? My technical mm -hmm. or fundamental analysis. But if I believe in it, I execute better, even if it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if I have a weak hand in the market, I will tend to all of a sudden start overthinking. And instead of trading around a bad idea, right? Where a lot of times I'll be wrong in my analysis, but I'll still make money because I just traded it good. I was confident in the way I thought things would pan out, um, but it didn't ultimately pan out, but I was just executing well versus analysis. I look at sometimes and it's like, I kind of like this idea. And then I get in all of a sudden I'm going, well, you were wrong. You jumped in next thing. I'm flipping it the other way. Then I'm the other way. So to me, the most important part of my analysis is confidence in it because that will help me execute. Even if the idea is wrong. Well, I think that there needs to be a, uh, a the the edge itself needs to be proven, provided that the edge itself is proven, uh, and the the analysis that you're doing is following whatever that edge is. Then then uh, I think that that you're right. But uh, if we don't have that part where where we 
aren't operating with a proven edge. It's just the, like, well, let's say the, that I'm a beginner and I'm researching this company. I'm going through all the financial statements and I feel like I've done like a ton of research and, uh, and I'm confident in that. I might just be delusional because I don't, I'm confident in the analysis, but I don't have all the other parts of, uh, that are essential, the, all the other qualities, uh, that are essential. So, um, it could, it, it could be like riding a, a bike with a square tire and we don't realize it. No, you're hundred percent right. It's going to bring me to the next segment. We're going to talk about the next quality and that's testing. I 100% agree with what you just said in the fact that for me, I talked about just being confident in it, but if it doesn't provide true edge, especially when you're looking at fundamental or technical analysis, right? You, you have to be looking at something that has had proven success, um, you know, some probabilities behind the reasoning, right? You can't just be going into something that's um, just <laughs> that doesn't work, right? Um, because right. then you're not going to have confidence in it anyway, but that is very important. And the next, next thing we're going to talk about is testing. Mm -hmm. You know, for me in my career, I always looked at it like, you know, find the strategy you like, find some things that you, make sense to you on the indicators, right? And then go and test them. I, I was somebody who worked that way, um, meaning that I just didn't go to something that tested really well. Like somebody said, a high probability. You kind of talked about this with you saying the O'Neill uh, strategy, meaning that yeah. that's already a proven strategy, right? Well, why can't yeah. I make money with it? Why doesn't everybody make money with it? Because that may not resonate with me and my personality and style of trading. When you look at the qualities of successful traders, how do they go about that? Are they testing beforehand uh, or are they just finding strategies that are testing well and just trade them? Uh, different strokes for different folks uh, in that regard. There's some people that will... Uh, like uh, do a traditional kind of back test where they are plugging something into software and seeing what, like uh, what happens when uh, such and such moving average, let's say, crosses over another like a super simple thing that you could uh, that you could code into software. Um, the types of uh, another type of testing too that uh, I ended up gravitating towards that that I didn't even realize uh, that I was doing was um, forward testing and modeling where I am uh, finding something that, that makes sense, putting trades on and then tracking it and seeing how, how that does. <laughs> and I think that that's part of uh, what, uh, uh, you know, many people like it. And, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, like uh, one of the, my uh, mentors uh, and I'm the uh, very fortunate to be able to call him friend too, uh, Mark Minervini. Uh, like uh, I started learning from from him and his strategies uh, and uh, in his books too. Uh, like like I've heard him uh, say in other interviews that uh, he doesn't do a lot of, of uh, like the testing, uh, like back testing, um, is you know like you what you want to do is to model success. But uh, and I agree with that. And part of what, what I think too is that uh, when we're testing, it's just making sure that this thing works for for us, and so we could either test it through um, forward testing, where we're taking some money, putting it to work, and and trying to to trade it that way, uh, testing in a demo environment, or uh, 
taking a block of trades in a certain system and then going back and manually testing a lot, like just pulling up charts and going through that way to see that, okay, like I spot this pattern and this, this trade, this stock, let's say, uh, fits, um, certain fundamental criteria. So it would have passed this system and then tried to trade it in uh, said manner. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a, a lot of what you just said. And like you said, different strokes for different folks. This is so important. I mean, when you look at the qualities that we've talked about so far, these are things that are important for all traders to have but there are different ways that they go about having these qualities. Yeah. Right? It is not a black and white thing. It is not something that is just set in stone. You know, and I know today we're talking about the eight qualities, but just the four that we've gone through, it's like there's different ways to approach it, but what's important in them is that they all have some form of those qualities. Right, exactly. Yeah, like I, I'm almost thinking now, like changing testing, uh, like the title of testing to just getting your hands dirty. Right? Like uh, that's kind of what it is. This podcast is sponsored by TradeStation and FTSE Russell. Currently, TradeStation is running a promo just for our audience. New users will get 50% off brokerage fees for the lifetime of their account using the promo code F-U-T-R-A-F-Z. T, as long as they open an account in the next 30 days. Go to tradestation.com slash Anthony to learn more. Are you watching the stock market, specifically the Russell 2000? The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap US stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. All right. And we're going to talk about post-analysis now. You know, we, pretty talked cool about, we talked about journaling. We talked about analysis. We talked about mindset. Mm. Post-analysis. My thoughts initially when I saw this as one of the things you were talking about as a quality is very similar to journaling. Talk to us about post-analysis. Right. So, um, well, one of the things that, that I found uh, was that um, journaling is, uh, is its own skill set. Actually going back and reviewing what we've journaled about uh, is its own skill set. And doing it uh, on a routine uh, basis, right? So, so doing it regularly, whether it's uh, once a week, once a month, whatever it is, um, uh, I would say that it, like, it, it's similar. The, like, like there's, like they go together, but I think that they are separate. Um, and part of the reason why is because how, uh, like, how we go back and. Uh, or well, what I was mentioning in the journaling uh, segment, where you have the ability to uh, go into a spreadsheet and start to parse out your uh, your stats, like that—that's the, the what I would consider like the post analysis of it. So there's the data gathering, uh, that's uh, the journaling part, and then the post analysis is going back and reviewing 
that from an objective standpoint later on. Um, and it's uh, almost like we're able to look at it like uh, we're a third person. Um, and that that's another part, too, with the journaling, uh, just our thoughts and feelings and emotions, writing it out uh, and doing that daily. And then uh, you come back and you review it a week later, a month later, and uh, you know you're you're able to to look at it and and actually start to catch yourself. Like, oh look, uh, I uh, said that I was uh, had a fear of missing out um, four times last month, and it was under these specific scenarios. And I was triggered by uh, this social media post or this television program or, or whatever, right? Uh, like when it, and that's the part of the post analysis that, that I would start to consider it its own skill uh, in that we are um, creating a habit of going back, reviewing, and uh doing so with the intent to get from the journaling. Got it. Yeah. I mean, for me, post-analysis, like I mentioned, it sounded similar to me like what I would do with my journaling, but you're right. It, it is different in the sense of, for me, at least in my trading is, you know, tweaking, you know, what is, what is working right now? Just tweaking my little bit of stuff here and there, on my strategy, where am I anchoring my VWAP from? Um, how are we looking on these moving averages? Do I need to keep an eye on this? You know, to me, that is, you're right. That is not really journaling. That's just really me tweaking. So there is a difference and it is important because you got to stay on top of this stuff all the time. I mean, people think that they find a strategy that makes them money for a period of time. Let's go, just go back and look at the last couple of years here by mm -hmm. the dip pipe type people, right? Yeah. Boy, has that changed that entire model of buying the dip or whatever their day strategy was has totally changed to sell the rally. And and that shifts even a lot between buy mm -hmm. the dip and uh, sell the rally lately has been, you know, you could spin everybody around. So you, with that post analysis is where you start to figure that stuff out. It's definitely a combination. And, and that takes me to the next thing. I mean, risk. Yes. Everybody talks about risk, right? Manage your risk. I know I've heard it. You know, I want to say this before I hear from you and your thoughts. When I think about manage my risk, I think about not only my stop, where am I wrong? How much am I willing to risk? Obviously those things are important, mm -hmm. but it's about taking advantage of scenarios and really saving um, those moments and that capital when things aren't working well to take advantage of other moments and actually putting on more risk. I think that in my experience, risk is or managing risk is not just about one side of the equation, losing less. Yes, that's important. I understand that that's the, mindset right away you'll have of it but it's also about allocating more risk to certain situations that you've seen before your thoughts on that oh yeah well we want to uh put ourselves in a position where we have uh asymmetrical reward to risk right yeah. we want to risk a little for the potential to make a lot and uh i would uh i would personally rather be in a position where I don't have to rely on winning a lot in order to have a winning system. So I would rather be able to win 45% um, of the time and still be ahead. Right? Like that, that's what, what my batting average is uh, over the past year. Uh, and 
uh, when you are making two to three times what you're risking, uh, like the the math works out. Yeah. Um, so when I think of risk, part of it has to do with uh, knowing when the odds are in our favor, right? So there's bits of analysis that, that are tied into it. There's bits of journaling that, that are tied into it uh, and the, the post-analysis too, because it, it's with those elements that we start to see, well, what kind of a, a streak are we in? Um, how did we perform over the last month? Uh, and we could start to see, are we gaining traction or are we, or are we starting to hit, hit a dry spell? Um, in there, right? Uh, that's when we could start to, uh, take some risk off or, or reduce our size, right? So if we are taking larger positions when the market is favorable for our, the particular style, then we should be betting heavier. When that changes, um, then we'd want to start to, to reduce, right? And reduce until uh, conditions become more favorable and it will know that when we start to gain traction. When we start, as we start to gain traction, we can finance additional risks so because we have these wins, put that into a new position and trade larger as it continues to, to move in our favor. I love the way you lay that out. And I agree with that 100%. I'm looking forward to reading that that part of your book because I, I think that that is such a missing element when people talk about managing risk. I think especially for new traders, they just don't think about it on both sides of the equation. You explained that great. I love it. And next thing I want to talk about, number seven, we'll call it, is trade management. This is also so important, right? Yeah. It's not just buy here, sell here. Oh, we're going up or we're going down. There's a lot that goes in to trade management. Talk to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So trade management is, uh, so after the trade is executed, what are we doing with this thing, right? Like uh, like you just said, like it's a little bit more than, uh, you know, you just uh, click the button and that's it, you're done. The analogy uh, that I like to use uh, has to do with a movie theater, right? So, so you walk into the movie theater, pretend that the, you don't know well what the movie is, right? but you walk into the theater. Where would you want to sit? Uh, but if it's me, I'd like to sit uh, closer to the back because if the movie sucks, I could just turn around and walk right out uh, of the theater. Yeah. Right? That's our stop loss. Right? That's the first way to manage a trade. If the, if the movie sucks, turn around, walk out the back. But just like any other movie theater, um, there's multiple exits around the theater. So if the movie is great, the trade is great, then that's going to be our profit target or however. If we scale out along the way and allow the trade to just keep on running, then that's our best case. Great. Uh, but we also need a couple of other things too. So I like to have two, so four exits total, right? The, the targets the stop losses. Then I also like to have a type of trailing stop and a type of uh, what I call a backstop. The trailing stop 
uh, some people use a traditional trailing stop where you just put it into your broker and it calculates based off of the percentage of the price moves. That I don't really like that. Uh, the reason why is because I could get knocked out of the trade. Um, well, without the trade having done something wrong based on the the system that that I trade. Uh, anyhow, like uh, the way that I that I would like to use uh, more of that. Um, uh, the trail is based around moving averages or what, what I call danger signals. Well, when if uh, based on price action, um, uh, let, let me see if I could explain this uh, simply. Yeah, so based on price action, price might issue anywhere between one to a dozen uh, danger signals. Well, if price moves down, but closes at the top of its range, then I might actually take that as a positive and not want to sell and not want to be knocked out of the position. Um, if it starts to, if, it, if price moves up and then closes at the low of its range and it does that on the heaviest volume that it's ever had, then that might be a significant danger signal where I'd want to take it off. So it's going into that danger signal trailing stop bucket. Um, the last type of stop that, that I like to look at is uh, what I call the backstop. And that's where if price is working its way higher, forms a support level, it should not break that support level because I'm looking at it like, well, if I'm walking up a set of stairs, uh, I shouldn't walk onto the second floor and then fall through the floor. <laughs> like that, that wouldn't be a very good floor. I, I want my, my floors to be rock solid. And if it starts to retrace, then it's time for me to, uh, to cut. So, so I like to have those four kinds of, of stops or, or four kinds of exit strategies. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I would lump in trade management. I think that traders need to understand this when putting together a strategy, right? I formulated a strategy to help me get into trades and then I have a strategy to help me stay with trades or exit trades. Mm. I don't use the same indicators that I use for entries as I do for exits or confirmation to hold things. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that's really an important part of building a strategy, right? Um, and I'm saying, I'm not saying that I'm right in the way that I've approached this, but I like to layer indicators in the sense of these are ones that tell me to get in. These are ones that help me get out. These are ones that are confirmations and they could be a combination of the two. But when mm. you're in the trade, not all the time is it going to get to your final target, right? Yeah, no, we, not at all. It's we, would rare. Love, we would love for that to be the case, but it just isn't always the case. It's rarely the case actually. Uh, I guess depending on your time frame or what your strategy is, there's not always for everyone. But for me and my trading, a lot of times, it's just, or it's just taking too long to get to my uh, final destination that I'd like it to go if I'm trading on a shorter term time frame. So it is very important to have layered indicators or layered tools that you use to help you manage trades. I, I think that those explanations are really good. This brings me to the final one, number eight, we'll call it, right? Portfolio management. And when I saw this, I was thinking to myself, well, most of the day traders like myself, we don't really consider ourselves portfolio managers. But then I thought about it and I said, you know what? I trade futures mostly. I trade crypto. I mm -hmm. trade stocks. I am managing a portfolio. Um, whether I like to really look at myself as a portfolio manager or not, I consider myself a trader, but I'm overall managing 
a portfolio. And I've got different strategies and different thought processes for different aspects of my portfolio. So when you had said this, I'm like, I wonder how the traders are going to think about this. Because when I initially had thought about myself, when we talk about qualities of successful traders, what do you see with portfolio management? Yeah, it's kind of like well, what you just said. You, so you manage it. Some are managing different asset classes. Some might be managing multiple stocks uh, within a portfolio, and so in the portfolio management lot, like to to, tie, to talk about stocks, it would be uh, it, it ties into what we were talking about earlier with, with risk management, right? So uh, in a portfolio, you like it rather than um, uh, like a common uh, problem that uh, traders uh, run into that, that we talk about a lot is like, well, what happens if you have uh, a watch list and you have maybe four or five stocks setting up all at the same time and, and they all break out, right? Like, should I go and buy all of them? Um, well, uh, part of that has to do with the your portfolio management how much risk are you going to take in for the entire portfolio not just on that one trade so uh what's the total risk that you have uh in your portfolio that that's what i consider the part of the portfolio management um there's there's other aspects of it too lot like um if you're thinking about it from the perspective of well well, what types of groups am I in? What types of sectors? What types of asset classes? There's that route to, to think of it. But um, looking at it from a from a total risk perspective too, I think is important. No, you're 100% right. I never really thought about myself as a portfolio manager. Actually, until I saw that comment from you, I'd be perfectly honest about it. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know what? I've allocated during these times more to crypto because it was trading better for me or or stocks or back to futures or none that I'm trading options more um, because of the way the environment is. And And I've always looked at it as I'm just trading, right? But really, it comes down to I'm managing that portfolio. And psychologically, that's so important to understand that because... It's one of the things I think that most traders probably listening to this are probably doing this subconsciously without even really thinking about it the way that I was, right? They're just looking at everything and saying, wow, I'm trading more crypto right now, or I'm trading more stocks, or I'm trading more futures because X is happening, but I'm still just a trader. You're mm -hmm. managing that portfolio, and it is an important uh, quality to have. This was great, Mike. I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to the book. Before I let you go today, let me know, uh, let everybody know, I should say that, um, where they could go to learn more about you, give us some details about the book, anything you want to share with us. Yeah, sure. So the best way to learn more about me, they could go to my website, marrowwolf.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, frequently uh, Michael G. Lamott uh, on those. Uh, I'm on StockTwits as well. Uh, I'm actually running the Long Island StockTwits meetup. Uh, that's a new thing that, that those guys are doing, and they uh, reached out to me to be uh, in charge of Long Island. So that, that's kind of cool. When is the book um, coming out, Mike? Tentatively, the, the end of 2022. Okay. And they can find that probably initially you'll be putting it out on social media. And then uh, of, of, what was the website you said again to, for everyone to go to? Marawealth.com. M-A-R-A. Just like uh, I'll put a link everybody in, it, in the description down below. Mike, I've been, like I said, I've been following for years. I've always been a fan of the content you put out. You're definitely one of the good guys out there. I really appreciate all the content and all the give back you give to the community. I can't thank you enough for coming on today and, 
and talking with me about an important topic. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, this has been a real honor and a lot of fun too. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Futures Radio Show is produced by Crudelli Productions.